This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and it's March. It's got a spring feel to it, sort of. Well, a bit of a spring in the air the past couple of days. Like I say, the 1st of March, 2nd of March, 3rd of March, we're actually going into a new era for Brentford. We've come out the drudgery of winter. And uh, as the past few results have gone, and, and the way that we've been playing football recently, I could feel a few a bit of freshness with the bees. I could feel a sort of... A, a, a beautiful sun dawning. Daffodils. Daffodils. <laughs> That's right. I can feel the daffodils spring, as well. Spring bunnies. <laughs> you know, we're heading our way to the Easter bunnies as well. But um, my name's Billy Grant and uh, I'm back in the virtual joint yet again. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you go to places, you haven't been to them for years. The next minute, you seem to go to them every week. And this has been about the third or fourth time you've been in the virtual joint, Boozer. In the last month or so, and uh, it feels quite good. You know, I've decided to abandon the ales. No pride for me today, and I'm on the I'm on the red wine because I'm feeling a little bit more sophisticated, especially after the victory we had on Saturday. To all, it felt like a bit of a loss because Rotherham were there for the taking, but in the final minute, hotter in the last minute, and then hotter. In the last minute, to ensure victory for the Bees as we clawed a victory from the jaws of a draw. With two goals in added time. Just got to say apologies for last week. I know lots of people have contacted us because they're not very happy. There was meant to be a podcast and we basically we struggled. We struggled on Tuesday, we struggled on Wednesday, we struggled Wednesday night, we struggled to get people together on Thursday. We just absolutely struggled. So this is actually our first proper podcast since the... B team podcast we did a few weeks ago which you could check out lots and lots of great feedback on that we actually did a little bit of not expose but we did a little bit of background into the B team speaking to Dean Smith uh, Rob Rowan and Kev O'Connor so check that out audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash besotted or go to the besotted website and check that out it's really really very very interesting and since that documentary Justin Scheibu who's one of the people that was very very highly rated has made his league debut I want to emphasize that he made his cup debut against Exeter anyway Enough of the chit-chat. I'm Billy Grant, like I said, in the virtual joint, and I'm here with Mr Lane, Dave Laney. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, have we, have we fallen below our Ofsted service level agreement by missing out on uh, the podcast last week? Have we, uh, have we, have we, have we re- reneged on any contracts? There are a few. Our lawyers are talking about that. We're not really allowed to talk about it on air at the moment now, yes, but between you and me, because no one else is listening, well, actually quite a few people are listening, um, yes, we're in a bit of trouble. Oh, okay. Well, I've, yeah, I better have some more of this rosé then. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a I've had a good week so far. Actually, I 
Well, we will talk about the uh, we'll talk about Wonder Kid in a in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, last night was a was a was a good good evening, a positive evening um, to follow on from Saturday's positive result. As you said, you know we got to the last minute and we thought we'd chuck the game away, but um, Yota came up with a couple of uh, couple of brilliant moments of magic, and uh, I think everyone well, if you watch the besotted video, the you know the um, post-match video you'll see the, the the you know the jubilation on the faces of the fans in the in the ground as they left so um yeah it it, it, it was uh, it was like you know a really really brilliant last 15 20 minutes so uh yeah you know i think as you said as well you know it sums up the, the how the team have been playing and that kind of roller coaster of the last the last few weeks since the chelsea game so um you know we're going to be in for a, a really exciting final final couple of months of the season i think Yes, indeed, and and obviously it's a bit weird because we've been doing a bit of travelling the past few days as well. Ironically, uh, you seem to be in the same town that I was in, but before you were up in Shrewsbury, and let everyone know it's not called Shrewsbury; it's actually called Shrewsbury. Um, yesterday, um, and and I was actually there on Sunday, Sunday Monday. I was up in Shrewsbury taking my, my son back to school, and you were up there on Tuesday, Tuesday in Shrewsbury before coming down to drive down to the, to the Wonder Kids. So I thought well, that was a bit of a coincidence, wasn't it? Tuesday in Shrewsbury. It's almost uh, it's almost poetic, Bill. Yeah, yeah um, we do follow. We do seem to follow each other around. But, um, <laughs> You're stalking me. <laughs> yeah, but there, there were posters up of you, like wanted posters. Up, I noticed on a few lamp posts. Yes. So, uh, yeah. That's right. If, you, and if anyone actually does go to Shrewsbury, actually, there's a wicked, really, really good bar called Blind Tiger. Go to Blind Tiger. It's absolutely fantastic. It's an evening bar, and it's quite cool. It's quite funky, and it's definitely, definitely, definitely worth a little tuck. I was, uh, I was supping a few hours in there at about midnight on uh, on Sunday night, and it was still open as well. Very good. But anyway, the Messi, he's back. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm uh, fresh from uh, from Saturday. It was uh, obviously a quite an exciting end but I had the pleasure of taking 15 under eights to the game to try and uh, convert as many of them from supporting Arsenal, Chelsea and Man United as possible to get them to uh, to go down to Brentford as uh, as the future generation and they uh, they took part in like the penalty shootout uh, which they thoroughly enjoyed and then they got to see Jota or Hotter grace grace the pitch for 90 minutes and come up with uh, with a couple of last minute uh, a couple of last-minute winners. It was. Uh, it certainly set the tons wagging amongst the parents as well. So hopefully we'll have a few more, few more new Brentford fans down there week in, week out. But, that's good. Uh, so that's it's been a good week. That's good. That's good. But to be fair, let's be accurate about this. Hotter wasn't actually grace a pitch for ninety minutes. It was his usual ninety-four minutes because it's the two, the yeah. four extra minutes where he scored the two goals, which is the important ones, wasn't it? Yeah. How, how silly of me. Um, but. I, I did warn them that you know, whilst he's great to watch, he doesn't really come to life until the uh, until the fourth official puts up his board with the numbers on, and uh, and it proved to be true. Uh, and my, my boy, who's got a season ticket as well, was telling all his mates that that Jota was going to score in the last minute, and it was uh, it was prophetic. It came true. Uh, <laughs> That's good. It That's was good. unbelievable. So you're not you're saying your son was pathetic, pathetic, but not Pr- pathetic. pathetic. Uh, yeah, yeah, not pathetic. Yeah, bad dad. No, bad dad. <laughs> But, uh, so hopefully uh, the future generation of bees are being uh, are being built already. It's great. So uh, and they loved it. Excellent. The masses did the old Pied Piper trick there. So very very good. But anyway, let's go back to Saturday. Very good game. Excellent game. As you know, we don't necessarily um, talk. Phil, Phil, have you not forgotten something? Have you not forgotten something? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. 
It was this is very well rehearsed this one, but as you can see, we've just managed to crowbar somebody else in. From the West Country. He's from the West Country. <laughs> he's from the West Country. The thing about it is that he's, he's he just never comes onto our shows anymore, so we, we forget about him all the time. And I, I completely and utterly forgot that he was there because, well, he's, he's out in the West Country. He's so far away, we actually had to get some sort of line with some sort of couple of cans in the end, put a bit of a string together and put it to the end of the computer, and it now works. The Liberal Nick, he's back. How are you doing? Can you, can, can you hear me? Is the Bale of Twine working? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just about, just about. Oh, that's good, that's yeah. good, that's good. Um, yeah, no, I'm good, Bill. I'm all, all good in the West, in a very uh, blowy West Country tonight. Um, it sounds like I'm the only one who's actually been to see some football this week, apart from Saturday, because I went to see Plymouth play Notts County last night and um, it was all you would have expected of a Division 1 game um, but i tell you what Plymouth have got a very decent stadium now very nice new stadium um, but it was an awful awful game and uh, by gum let's hope we never ever have to watch Division 2 football again it was terrible and Plymouth who are actually quite a good team and they're second in the division lost to Notts County who are battling for their lives down the bottom of the division so um, in all, it was not a bad, not a not a good night for the locals, but uh, a a fascinating insight into hospitality at Division Two club, which was oh, good. Interesting. interesting. So, that's, that's interesting. So, like I said, you're taking. I mean, I know that you were going to go to Exeter a few a few weeks ago, but you ended up going to the Opera instead. I mean, I don't know if there's a sort of parallel between Exeter City and the Opera, or maybe you just kind of got lost on the way. But you actually made yourself off down, down to Plymouth and. It's interesting because also you talked about the new stadium at Plymouth, or the stadium at Plymouth, which is very good. Um, and we're going to be talking about the new stadium in a bit, but there's a bit of activity on the line on road front. We'll have a little discussion about that a little bit later. Um, as for myself, um, like I said, like lady, I was at the Wonder Kid um, film um, screening, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, a film about a footballer coming out, um, and it was very good. Lots of people there, including a lot of the first team and stuff. Like I said, we'll talk about that later, but I almost wasn't there because I was actually on my way to pack my bag. And I was going up to Macclesfield. The first time I'd have been in Macclesfield since... Hmm, remember that time when Brentford played when we played Exeter? No, we played Chester. Wow. Chester it was. We played Chester and Chester played at Macclesfield, I'm pretty sure it was. We did a load of free coaches up there, one-pound coaches up there. And I think it might have even been a promotion season or something. I can't remember exactly. I drove up there anyway. And uh, yeah, first time I did that. But the old Hamlet, Damage Hamlet, they drew on Saturday in the uh, quarterfinal of the FA Trophy. So two days, three days later, as they do in that league... They had a replay up at Macclesfield on the way up, and then bang, game was snowed off. Absolutely gutted. There's a couple of bees up north as well that were going to come down and meet us up and go to the game as well and have a bit of a laugh. So, uh, you know, it's great because in the end, we're the old wonder kid, and that was really great. We'll talk about that. Anyway, we move on. We'll be talking about all that stuff enough. Let's go back and talk about Saturday. Rotherham game. Absolutely teething tremendous. We should have smashed them off the park. A little bit of complacency, probably, but let's go to the pub. Let's listen to the characters to hear what they said after the game. Absolutely incredible, what an exciting finish and big respect to Rotherham, bottom of the league, didn't give up but the mighty bees came through in the end. But at the end of the day, it's all about the magician Hotter, Patrick, real talent, welcome back. Made hard work Bill, we really do make hard work of putting poor teams away but when you've got King Hotter to come off, to, to turn the magic into goals... We've always got a chance. We've, we've got goals in this side. The trouble is, we give too many silly ones away. No, I thought we, we, we weren't actually that great from the moment we scored the goal. 
to them getting their second. We kind of play, played, still, you know, played off them a bit. Uh, and I think, you know, once once we went two-two, we just thought, oh, sod this. We're not going to lose to Rotherham. And Canos was brilliant. We got to start with Canos, and I thought Canos was brilliant when he came on. Really, you know, tur- turned the game. And I think we looked, just looked a lot better. And Hotter, absolutely magnificent hat trick. Brilliant. I submit, I, I, Shibu coming on changed the game. They suddenly had a target man. That's how I saw it. Because what, within a minute of him coming on, we scored. It was like, they just... I, you know I like Sawyers, but I'm not sure what was going on today. But Shibu coming on, maybe he should have come on earlier. Good to see the young lad on today, Shibu. And uh, he done well to win us the penalty. He made himself busy, give us a focus. And uh, fantastic to see Yotta tuck the penalty away. I was getting a bit nervous there. It was a pretty poor performance, I thought. Um, you know, Rotherham were one of the worst teams we've seen down here this season, and and we seem to sort of react to that. It's, it's, it's strange. Um, I can't put my finger on the problem, but, but we seem to get drawn down to the level of teams like Rotherham. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, we were... No minutes, just some just some added time um, away from Rotherham taking four points off us this season. I think I've done my maths correctly, and um, and that probably sums the season up. As I, as I always say, is it, you know you can forget about you can talk about twenty goal a year strikers and yeah, all, that's all well and good. But ultimately, what it's about is the team scoring goals, and um, sometimes things fall into place, and you have to do things a little bit differently from the way that people generally perceive it, which is that you need this striker who is your talisman. Actually, you know what? If the rest of the team is scoring goals, it doesn't matter what the number nine's doing, as long as he's as long as he's creating the space for them to score goals. A point for discussion, a longer discussion than we can give it tonight and it probably needs to be on the next podcast is what our defense looked like without Dean because we all thought we've thought previously you know has there been an issue with Dean being in the defense with us giving away goals well he wasn't playing today and we gave away two goals that probably shouldn't have done so actually what's the solution to defense I'm not certain Bellend is the is the solution so mm, we're gonna have to look at that one the, the match changing scenario was the fact that we allowed them to equalize which made them think that they could win it and then they pushed forward and gave us gave us loads of space at the back and we, we tucked in Shaibu Shai, you, you watched him warm up he was electric he was the fastest person I've seen warm up on that touchline in front of the kids um, I, I, I'm excited by him there's, there's a future there Yota I thought was on a different level again to get a hat trick um, it's it's worrying really because you know I think he's on he's on other people's radars and you know it's only going to lead to more transfer speculation. We need to we need to sort him out. But Brentford Brentford played okay throughout. I thought I didn't think we were ruthless. We always needed a second goal. Um, we scored when we had to, which was the thing that really reassured me. When when it was they equalised and we went and got another one. And then they equalised again, and we got we went and got another two. So we, we seem to be able to notch it up a gear, um, and we're scoring more goals without Hogan than we did with him. Rotherham came to Griffin Park. They've already taken three points of us. I shouldn't be laughing really because it was actually quite traumatic up there. You know, we threw, the, threw this kitchen sink at them up at Rotherham at the beginning of the season, and they beat us one nil. And then they came down there. We got the first goal, and we thought. That's easy peasy, easy pie. Before we knew it, it's like, oh no, oh no, we're fluffing it, we're fluffing it again. Um, it came out good in the end, but 
it's just one of those ones again, like I said, a few weeks ago we were saying we'll beat Sheffield Wednesday and we'll lose to Rotherham. And uh, we're kind of that team at the moment now where, okay, we didn't quite lose to Rotherham, but it could have gone a little bit peak Tom, couldn't, shouldn't it? Couldn't it? Shouldn't it? Couldn't it? Um, I, I, you can either be per- perfectionist about this and it's sort of like beat ourselves up that we didn't get a clean sheet against the bottom team and the ones that are going down. Or I, I'm, I'm looking at it in a different way. If we'd have won that 2 0, that would have been if we would have forgotten about that game by in a fortnight, three weeks. I think that game we'll remember for many, many years to come. And I think, you know, sometimes you just want to be entertained. You want a bit of drama. Um, and I think I think what we've seen since the Chelsea game is a gradual um, uh, evolution. There, there seems to be a different ethos. The, the, the manager and, the, the, and his team selections changed. Um, the intent and the way we play football um, without Scott Hogan, it means that we've got variety. Um, the goals are coming from all over the place. We're not quite sure what's going to happen, but it's 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 a it's a better style of football. It's not it's not perfect. Um, you know we're we're still leaky at the back, um, but it, it makes for really entertaining, really really good, very memorable football. And I think for the rest of this season, let's let's enjoy it. Let's, let's not kind of expect um, perfection. Uh, let's 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 try and let's try and win by going all out attacking. Um, but let's not be surprised if we if we leak a few. But I think we're going to learn a lot about our squad. I think we're going to learn about a lot about next season and the next couple of months. So, um, yeah, as, as much as it was a bit a bit sort of like oh, you know, we should have wiped rather a month. You know, we should have wiped the floor with them. Um, as I said, it, it makes for a memorable game. Nick, uh, it was it was the epitome of the season for me actually. Um, as I said on the. Uh, post-match podcast I thought we were a bit complacent coming into the game um, we were as supporters in the pub beforehand I think most of us were thinking this is going to be a fairly comfortable victory for us um, and possibly that seeped through into the um, team team as well um, you know it was the normal style in Brentford season we got caught out by balls at the back um, defensive errors gave Rotherham their two goals um, and then when we decided right we better uh, we found ourselves in a bit of SHIT we decided we better sort ourselves out along comes Yotta in the uh, last minute and scoring those two great goals um, there were other sort of classic I mean that there's a vine or vine have gone bust haven't they but whatever they call it of Yotta uh, Brentford uh, put it up on their tweet yesterday the, the club uh, of Yossa controlling the ball with his left foot and then going down the wing. It's just a fantastic piece. You should just have it on eternal loop. It really is wonderful. But that was that was the game for us on Saturday. When we when we needed to, we pulled out the stuff that, that, that gave us victory. So I, I think I'm a bit in agreement with Dave. I mean, I think that's what the rest of the season is going to be like. But, you know, just got to be slightly careful is that we don't, um, the season doesn't meander out to a close. What, we've got another 11, 12 games left. We've got some big teams to play. We could have an influence on the playoff race. Um, so let's pull let's pull our finger out and go and go out as Dave said with some exciting play and possibly introducing a few exciting new players into the team too. The Massey. Yeah, I think the one thing is for sure. I'm certainly enjoying the football in the last few weeks that I had, you know, throughout the whole of the season. Um, I think it's just really, it's a really interesting dynamic how the the formations changed and we saw it against Villa when, when Hogan was out the side and, and Smith was forced to play, well not forced to play, but decided to play with wingers. 
but the big the key thing for me has been um how Yanaris has been freed up to burst through the middle and, and I really enjoyed seeing that on on Saturday and again he he scored a, well, he scored a crucial goal it was one all and he he put his back in front and I and I've enjoyed seeing that him sort of freed up because I kind of remember sort of Jonathan Douglas trying to do that um or or yeah did it quite well it, it, when we got to the playoffs in the first season back in the championship how he would how he would extend his runs into the box and and I think Yanaris hasn't really been able to do that when we've had when when Hogan was in the side and and I'm enjoying seeing that freed up the only my only caveat to it is I don't think you I don't think you win anything by going all out just you know we might concede four but we'll make sure we score five and I think in the long term you don't win things that way I think we need to we need to be more responsible defensively and, and I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do that this season because I think I think Smith is still going to be searching for that defensive you know that holding midfielder but if he can free up Yanaris to you know to play that sort of box to box midfielder and get him in um, I really enjoyed seeing Kirschbaumer on on Saturday I think he proved he is good enough for this for this level and I think he can be a, a youthful member of this squad he, even if he's not going to start you know 46 games a season um uh, and Josephson, you know, he 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 started again after being uh, sort of rested, and and showed that there is there is definitely some talent there, and and we should hopefully be looking to get him on an extended contract next season. I, I, you know, so there was plenty of positives, but I would just I would I would urge caution over this sort of approach of of concede four, but we'll score five. I just you know we we need to get that right for me. I think maybe that's. Uh... That's kind of a bit of a result of kind of just the way that our team, I mean, you know, the team is set up at the moment now and uh, a month and a month a bit ago, we were kind of scoring nil and conceding nil or scoring yeah. nil and conceding one. So, you know, there's a bit of a kind of turnaround there. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, we talk about this sort of week in and week out saying at the end of the day, I'll be honest with you, I'm sort of kind of happier watching that. I was, you know, happier even though I don't like losing, but we lost 4-2 against Preston. But, you know, we've looked at what's our, our last six games we played. we played six games since that Chelsea drudgery. And uh, every single every single one of those games has been exciting. Every single one. Yeah. You know, whichever way. You know, we win or lose. You know, we've got the Reddings. We've got the, you know, the, the Brightons. We've got the Villas. We've got the, you know, Aston, the, the Wednesdays. All of them have been exciting. And also, interestingly, we scored 17 goals. So since that game... So when Hogan's left, we scored 17 goals. Okay, admittedly we've let in 13. Okay, is it is it is it the way that we're playing? I mean, the fact is that if we tighten up at the back, will that will that stop us scoring? Will we be playing in a different way? Will that stop us scoring? Or have we solved for now? Doesn't mean that we're not going to get a striker. Our goal scoring problem that we had before by putting in the wingers and playing a particular way. And uh, is it just a case that we need to tighten up at the back? Or if we tighten up, does that mean that we might actually change the way we play and actually score less goals, Laney? Can Can Smithy do any? Can he do much more at the back? I know I need to change the system a bit, but you know, isn't it isn't it now just for the players to stop making mistakes? I, you know, I, I'm not I'm not def, I'm not defending Smith like just for the hell of it, but. You know, the, 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 the defenders are, are kind of pretty experienced now, apart from Tom Field, um, who, you know, uh, you know, you can argue that he got tired in, a, in the last couple of fixtures he played and they've rested him and Rico Henry's come in now. But, you know, the, the centre-backs, that's, that, that's, that's, where, that's where these long balls over the top are catching us out. Isn't it just for them now to, to, learn, to learn how to defend that? Because I'm not, I'm not quite sure what else we can do. 
No, I, I would make you right on that, actually, Dave. You know, if, if you watch the games you've played since, there's been individual errors, and there's also been errors as a defensive unit, which I, I don't really see too much as Smith's fault, and I think he's picking the best side for um, for what he's got at the moment. So I, I, I would agree with that. And, I, and, and as, as you said, Billy, I, I'd much prefer to see this type of football than what we were seeing. After Chelsea, I think we many of us came away and said, I don't mind losing 4-0 to the, to the team at the top of the Premier League, but I want to see our team have a go. And that's what we're seeing. Um, and if, you can, if we can cut out the individual areas, then, then maybe that's the formula. But also, one or two extras coming in will help. But I think Smith's doing what he can with, with the players he's got. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's slightly ironic that we're talking about the defence because we thought the defence was the was the one core of the team that had been sorted about. So it seems to be that, you know, we, we sort out what we're going to do in, in attack and, you know, that possibly happened more by luck than by judgment. Centre, uh, the midfield has, has evolved as the season has gone on. Again, you know, chopping and changing seemed to have come across the right formation. But the defence was always our security blanket. It was always there and there were the odd one or two mistakes but now it seems to have um, re- regressed a bit and um, sadly I think uh, it's interesting how, how off the pace Bellend was on, on Saturday um, I thought um, he had a he had a poorish game it has to be said um, and I think you know Harley Dean will well he Harley Dean won't be back will he this Saturday because I think he's still missing another game but I think Harley must have been smiling a bit um, with the performance because he'll be back back in the team so yeah a bit of uh, training ground this week hopefully there was a bit of work on the defensive systems um, because we seem to have sorted out the midfield and the attack back to it now goes back to the defence it's funny how it all goes in circles. Yeah, it's interesting because on uh, on Saturday you saw uh, something that, that that we saw or uh, well, I saw on on Tuesday night um, up at Sheffield where we didn't get a chance unfortunately to talk about the Sheffield game because we struggled last week about with our podcast Postmates podcast but Sheffield was very good it was a bit of the Alamo at the back end where Sheffield did really hit us hard but we defended like absolute lions in that game it was really really good so interesting even though we did let in a goal quite late on the defensive um, um, display at Sheffield was very very good indeed um, so so yeah so that there's a difference there but we did have a false nine as they call it up at Sheffield and it seemed to work because um, well I don't know that maybe they were just confused um, we had two defenders that scored goals up there and they thought, oh, no, let's mark that striker. Oh, no, the defenders have scored. So that really confused them. And then we tried the false nine down here, which is Romain Sawyers up front at number nine. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, we're struggling at that position. We've had a striker we've sold and then our other two strikers are, are injured. So he's been put in that position. <laughs> to be honest with you, you can see that he doesn't really want to play in that position. Um, but he's doing it because he has to. But it's not his natural role at all. Um, he did all right up at, up, at, up at Sheffield. But he did get a fair amount of abuse um, at home, didn't he? He's been, he's, been, he's been dubbed, isn't he, the falsest number nine ever. Um, you know, there are false number nines, but he's really false. Um yeah, he, he doesn't look like a striker at all, does he? He's, 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 a, he's an odd one. Um, I, 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 would, I would have preferred to see Canos there, um, absolutely. And I, and, I, and I think that's that's what should happen at Ipswich. I, I, don't, I don't want to see Sawyers on the pitch just to get him on the pitch. I think, that, I think we've, got more, we've got more effective, um, you know, standing strikers than, than him. Um, you know, it was interesting to see. You know, he, he he looked relieved when he was when he was dropped back into the middle. 
Um, he does. He doesn't want to be there, um, and I don't. I don't want to see players playing in positions they just don't want to be. You might. You. We've got. We've got players that do want to play in those positions and are chomping at the bit for it. So, given the given the opportunity, we're not going up. We're not going down. Let's let's not play Romain Sawyer's um, in in a striking role just to get him on the pitch. We've. I'd rather see a kid. And talking about kids, the Shibu. Um, Justin Shibu is a player that we've been talking about a lot in the last what couple of months at least. At least two months we've been talking about Shibu. Two or three months, and we're saying we need to get the, our kids a chance, give the kids a chance, give the B team a chance. And we've got a little vibe that you know they've they've got a lot of um, hope for the old Shibu, but they don't want to put pressure on him, so they haven't um, they haven't said too much. It's interesting actually, and we'll talk about it in a little bit that, at the Wonder Kid um, film the other day. But all the P team actually came over to us. And uh, they did the old tip of the hat, and they just said, you know, we've heard that, you know, everyone's getting excited about the B team, and you've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, work on the B team, and just kind of just highlighting us a little bit, and you know, that, that was kind of kind of a good vibe because that to me felt there's a bit of togetherness in the club where everyone is actually kind of trying to pull together the B team are feeling that they're part of the actual club as to, as opposed to being a part of the club which is just separate and uh, they do their own thing it's actually kind of all brought in together but that's quite good but obviously Justin Shibu striker that we bought in from Denmark I think it was and uh, I think he's 19 years old um, bought him in the day before um, Exeter I remember rightly because we bought him in the day before Exeter he signed and next minute he came on our team was actually on tour in Denmark, but all of a sudden he came on against Exeter and Exeter. So they obviously thought, ah, let's get this Shibu and let's just give him a debut straight away. So he got his debut quite early in the League Cup. Fortunately, we lost that game. But then he came on again on Saturday, and I thought that he was part of a game-changing situation. Laney? Yeah, um, I, I, I still think a lot of this um, renaissance at Brentford is is um, down to Yotta. I think you know we, we've we've spoken about this um, Yotta in the past. We we didn't know how we we couldn't see a time where he was actually going to come back at all, let alone come back and play in a Brentford shirt. We thought he'd go off to Rangers or whatever, and then to come back, put a Brentford shirt on, and be anywhere near as good as he was before, let alone better than he was before. I think it's taken everyone by by surprise, and, it, and it's given us it's allowed us the luxury of, of 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 you know taking the pressure off other individuals because Yard drifts around and he's got he takes up so much possession himself. Um, and he and he links up with with the players. So, yeah, Shaibu really excited about him. Um, we have to we have to start him. I, I, I'd rather you know people have said that Tom Field might actually make a really good forward as well if he's not if he's not being played in his in his left pack berth. You know he's, he's got an eye for goal. He can score. He's got pace. Um, you know I, 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 even that is an option um I, I just i don't i don't i'm not nothing against Romain Sawyer at all he's going to be a really good player for Brentford um he needs this season to get out of the way and i think we'll, he'll come into his own next year but only in the midfield he's, he, he isn't a striker so um you've got Canos Shaibu um there are there are others you know um so yeah and and you're right about um, wonder kid bill it was it was um brilliant to see that b team there feeling part of it all um almost almost like um an identity um in their own right as well they almost they're getting they're getting confidence and they're getting recognition and they're getting um um a profile um and uh you know they're not they're not 18 players they're not first team players but they're they they know and they feel they're worthy and good and that's important. Liberal. Two 
two points. Um, one of which is I wouldn't start Shabu on Saturday because we're playing Ipswich, and um, you know he's only 19 years old, and Ipswich are a pretty physical team because they they play Mick McCarthy style football, which is fine. You know, the, 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 if that's what Ipswich fans want to put up with, that's that's okay. But um, Ipswich are are a hard hard knocked team and I wouldn't like Shabu to be um, injured in that game and I fear fear for him in two. Two is that I actually want Sawyers to um, be playing his right position because I think he's undergoing a lot of abuse really at the moment um, from a small section of Brentford fans unfairly. Uh, his His the way Sawyer's carries himself doesn't help because he's he he looks quite languid and he looks he looks lazy. He's not, and I think he is a very good player. And you could see some flashes. And as Dave said earlier, he's being played in out of position, and it's obviously not a position that he's comfortable with. So uh, Sawyer's back into his normal position because I actually think that he is quite strong. And Shabu on the bench, kind uh, of starting on Saturday, but Sawyer's. Sawyers and Shabu are definitely two B's players who, if we stick with them and use them correctly, will be with us for a, for a long time and will, in the same way as Yotta, who is not the Messiah, but will be remembered, I reckon that we could be looking forward at remembering Sawyers and Shabu for a while. The Massey. Yeah, I, I'd agree with Nick. You know, I wouldn't start him on Saturday against Ipswich, probably for a slightly different reason, in that... I, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him too quickly. I think if you remember at the start of last season, we had Jermaine Udamega that, that was called up into the first team. And he it was almost like we didn't have anyone else. And he went in there, he really struggled. And now he's, well, he's left the club, isn't he? And, and, and we've not heard of him you know, since, apart from the first few games he played. So, But we, when Shabu came on on Saturday, he, he did something that Romain Sawyers hadn't done all game and that he, he went... You know, he's running direct. He was running past defenders and he was, you know, running into the box. Whereas, you know, Sawyers was doing his best, but he plays his natural game, which is he wants the ball to his feet. And and it and I think it confused the Rotherham back line and we ended up getting a penalty. So I don't think the centre back knew what to do with Shabu and he ended up catching the ball. Um but I, I no, I'd ease him in. I, I would ease him in. I'd give him as much game time as you possibly can. But you know, th- this this kid looks he's built for it. He's quick, and the way he chased down loose balls and and put their back line under pressure, you know. So it was an impressive debut. But let's not let's not build this kid up too much too quickly for me. Impressive, impressive warm up as well. I don't know if you saw, if you saw him yeah. warming up on the. Uh, my God, the speed of him. You know, yeah. I, I don't. You know, I I often watch them warming up because it's pr- sometimes more entertaining than what's going on on the pitch. But yeah, you know, but uh, it he. The, the turn of speed from the corner flag past the kids back to the dugout and it, it was just ridiculously fast and I, I I would wager that he's the fastest player in in the club by a country mile at the moment Rico Henry might have something to say about that because he is rapid I know you know you noticed that on, on Saturday as well Henry can he can run yeah, and talking about Henry again again let's saw him um, playing up at uh, Sheffield Wednesday, which is you know, which is good, but again, for a lot of fans, it was the first time that they'd actually seen uh, Rico Henry play. And I've just, you know, what, what what were your vibes on him? Were you encouraged? Because obviously, and this is not taking anything away from Tom Field as well, who's a very good young player, good, very good young prospect. Obviously, Rico Henry was meant to be our first team player, but we brought him injured. We brought him broken because he was a bit cheaper. 
you know so we bought him cheaper and then fingers crossed we thought okay if we fix him we send him down to the old shop for a couple of months we send him out the shop get a bit of you know yoohoo glue super glue then um this will be we're gonna be you know it's gonna be all good so rico henry is uh is now fixed up and it's all come good for us but uh, i thought we had a good game on saturday yeah he, he, that was a really solid debut um home debut um it, it it shows that we've 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 gone and bought another um really really impressive really promising player um it, it, it still it still needs it still needs one of still one or two play, pieces missing and it's it's it's, it's, it's clearly the striker whether the striker's there and we, and and we they're not they're not up to you know the levels quite yet or you know they'll emerge and they'll become what we need them to be um but we if we it's just, you know the, the focus needs to be on just tightening up this defense and stop stop conceding leaky goals um I, I think henry's going to be part of that i do feel desperately sorry for tom field I, I i don't really see that he's done that much wrong but um it's being rested and 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 you know being being sort of rotated is part of his his career development and he'll, he'll have to get used to that wherever he is and whatever club he's at until he's got another four or five years under his belt he's going to be seen as a you know he's going to be seen as a you know, fairly inexperienced or maybe another two years anyway you know so he, he he should be proud of what he's done so far he, he's his family are massively proud of him they're, they're Brentford through and through um, he's living the dream. Um, he he needs to just kind of take it on the chin and take it in his stride and and you know not not let it upset him because he'll get his chance again. Um, and you know he, he's proved that he can play in one of several positions and you know he's he's got a bright future. So yeah, you know chin up, Tom. Um, you know great to have a chat with you yesterday as well. You, you know not a lovely bloke and. Um, but Rico, um, you know, it was clear that he was always going to be brought in as as that is that was his position. So, yeah, I, I was I was pleased that Rico's come come through with flying colours. Let's yeah, I um I, I, I can't say I don't really see what what Field had done wrong to to lose his spot in those two games, but I think there's potentially a place for both of them in that side. Um, I know we you know we've got we've got Hotter, we've got Canyos and Josephson, but that you know they're they're both very talented footballers. You know neither of them is an out and out defender, and that's that's all they can do. You know both of those guys can can go forward. They're quick. You know they they, they like to attack the opposite the opposing fullback. So I think there's a place for them potentially both of them in the same team. Um, but if not, what a wonderful position to be in to have two really talented young fullbacks battling it out. And uh, but 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 as far as debuts go and our home and away debuts, Rico Henry really impressed considering he's been out so long as well. Don't let's forget it's a squad game as well. Um, and given the championship, which will be in next season as well, is a is the toughest league that there is in Europe, as they keep on saying. Um, and hopefully next year we've got a real squad that can challenge for League Cup and FA Cup. So um, I think if we can hold on to all these people, we've got a really exciting time going forward. Indeed. I, and let's let's not get too sentimental. You know, we 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 crying out for strength and depth and having two or three really good players in every single position. That's it's how you mount promotion challenge to the top flight. You know, we we I know we've not been used to it. We we have one 
really crowd favourite in each position who we get really used to and you know they become legends um, that that perhaps needs to change. We may, maybe we you know maybe we are just a little bit sentimental, and we we you know we 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 hope that what one player will emerge as a, you know a ten season testimonial kind of candidate, but maybe that's not the way it's going to be. Okay, so good discussion, Rotherham. Great, great, great result in the end, and it's going to set us nicely for the weekend, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this show. But onto that. Like I said, Nick was talking about stadiums. He talked about Plymouth. I mean, I've been to all sorts of stadiums, new stadiums, old stadiums, rubbish stadiums, great stadiums. Um, but it looks like Brentford may be moving forward with their new stadium. We've been heard there's been a bit of work, a bit of action on Lionel Road, and we're going to talk about that right now. So, everyone's been waiting. I remember it was 2000, the year. Okay, Uwe Rosler. Remember him? He was Brentford manager, Christ, it seems like an eon, ages ago since Uwe Rosler was Brentford manager. But I remember when Uwe Rosler had resigned, the day that he resigned, we were down the town hall and Brentford got the big thumbs up for building their new stadium. So it was a bit of a funny day that it was like, hey, oh no, manager's resigned. Um, but yeah, but it seems like an absolute age that. And when that thumbs up came, we thought, oh, we'll be building a stadium next year, 2014 maybe. Or maybe 2015. Well, let's come to 2017. We haven't started building yet, but today there's a bit of news. Apparently, they're putting a couple of hoardings up, and somebody's gone onto that site in Lionel Road and picked up a few cans of Pepsi. You know, a bit, a bit of rubbish, and they've thrown it from one pile to the next. So apparently, that quantifies as the fact that we've actually started working. Somebody started to clear the site. Apparently, like you know, started to pick up the rubbish. Got a bit black plastic bag, and they're clearing the rubbish away. So Lionel Road has started to happen how fast it will actually happen we don't know but it started it may be a couple of years it may be three years it may be four years it may be five years we've got no idea doesn't really matter though because we're just going to talk about our new stadium Lionel Road eventually it looks like we're going to be moving from Griffin Park which is going to be a very very sad moment because everybody loves coming down to our ramshackled ground guys Lionel Road um, it looks like it's on so uh, it's a bit strange isn't it Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to happen now, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, it's you, we've seen it with other clubs around the country that you know they, they get coverage and you know the 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 first the first bit of ground been dug and the bulldozers go in and yeah, then it seems to happen fairly quickly. So I I, I don't think it's, it's obviously not going to happen overnight, but it's the beginning of the end, Bill. It's the beginning of the end. That that's a really negative. That, you know, that, <laughs> that is so so negative. Um, you know, let's, just because you beat a Plymouth, mate. Uh, well, yeah, and, and uh, if, if those of us who went to Plymouth and saw Brentford play down there will remember that it was a pretty ramshackle stadium. Uh, it's now a all-seater. Same stadium. Same stadium. Same stadium. Same 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 stadium. It's all-seater. They've done very sensible things. It's not too far out of town. There are there are reasonable transport links. Um, parking's not too bad as well for people. Uh, that you can walk to a couple of decent uh, pubs. Um, or and most importantly, I was there last night and actually I was being. Uh, Part of corporate hospitality, and I should think I should think Plymouth made more in the corporate hospitality last night 
on last night's game against the bottom of the Division Two team, Notts County, than Brentford probably make from from four home games, um, simply because the facilities are there, and and you know, and that is what's going to be a game changer for us is having facilities, having the corporate style. As long as we don't lose the um, atmosphere at Griffin Park and the friendliness, um, it'll be okay. We've got to we've got to keep on battling for the safe standing. So, Mr. Benham, if you're listening to this one, um, don't forget we want safe standing at Larnell Road. And in the meantime, we've also got to make sure that while we're at Griffin Park for the last two years, or for the sorry for the next two years, the last two years of Griffin Park's life, uh, we'll need to get the dispensation going to be able to continue standing on the Ealing Road, and that's important. But actually, all rounds, you know, new stadiums done right, and I trust. Um, the team who are putting together the new stadium, uh, although I'll probably regret that in three years' time, but, you know, it'll it'll be a real game-changer for us. So let's be positive about it, not negative. The Massey. Yeah, I think to uh, to steal a phrase from Gary Lineker this week, I think it's going to be gut-wrenchingly sad when we when we do go, but it, it it's so needed. It is so needed. So I think, I th- I think we need to just absolutely enjoy the next couple of years at Griffin Park and um, and, I, and I'm pretty pretty confident that the league are going to give that dispensation because it would be cruel to take that terrace away from us for uh, for the next two years before the move but I, I, I think we really we really need to just focus on enjoying the last couple of years at Griffin Park and no matter how run down it is and uh, the toilet's not working and we haven't mentioned that have we the toilet's stopping working during the game on Saturday um, you know, they're the kind, of, the kind of things that make Griffin Park what it is. It's great. You're not going to get that at the new stadium, are you? You know, you never know. Not, well, well, no. <laughs> Maybe we could request it that at least once a game the toilets, the, the toilets clog up. But um, no, we, we just need to enjoy the next two years and, and and enjoy the progress that this club's making. It's it's needed. It's inevitable. And I think we, you know, it's going to be great. But. You know, we're going to miss her. Yeah. And if, if people vomit, it's easier. It's easier when terracings are <laughs> terracings around rather than uh, rather than seating as well. So that's another factor to take into consideration. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, and I know that we mentioned it before. We mention it all the time. And obviously, it's down to the stadium. The fact is that you know we've been to so many stadiums around the country. There's some all right ones, and there's some terrible ones. I think that um, the safe standing. Um, experiment that's happening in, in Celtic at the moment now and apparently it works really well it's really funny because you, you read all these people that go oh my god I went to Celtic and uh, I, I, I stood you know like these sort of kind of like MPs and these sort of kind of senior people they go they are and I stood and it's so fantastic and we sort of think well, not be funny just come down to Griffin Park you know we, you can stand there every week it's almost like some sort of kind of sort of experiment for them to go up to, to Celtic and because it's great at Celtic it means that you know it, it, it's like a stamp of approval and it's it's almost like a little bit annoying that you know we can, you know, we could say we've been doing, we've been doing standing at in our place since the year dot. So if you wanted to come down and actually experience what the atmosphere is like, how positive it is, just come down to our place. But you know, if it is Celtic, that is going to be the the one that pushes the barriers forward. Um, so be it. Um, there are wheels in motion, as you know, I'm on the board of the FSF, and there are wheels in motion for the safe standing. It's all got to be a little bit tippy-toey, because obviously we've just come out of the Hillsborough um, situation. You know, we've just had the, the verdicts um, on the positive side. So uh, that has helped to change things to a certain extent um, with people who have suffered very uh, badly 
for Hillsborough, but it's also a very sensitive subject. So we have to be sensitive about the issue of standing. But in general, people, there is a lot more positivity about it, but it's out of our hands. It's, it's in the hands of the lawmakers. So there's a lot of pressure being put onto people for that. But for us, it's important because we're moving to a new stadium and we know that that could be the difference between being a stadium where people go, yes, we need to be there and being a stadium which is just like any other stadium. And also the other thing that I would say to you is that yeah, we, there's been some designs of the stadium, but we, we actually still don't really know what that stadium is going to be like, what it's all about, what's going to be in it, what's going to be not in it. We can't, we've seen these things, but it's still not necessarily been set in stone. So we need to we need to still be on the ball on this. And I think all the fans need to be on the ball on this because we need to make sure that we don't go into a stadium that we don't like, that we're not feeling. We need to make sure that stadium is the stadium that we want, which is going to be feel right and look right. And, and have the and, and have a really really good vibe and I'm not necessarily driving a stadium with 40 or 50,000 which our original stadium wasn't meant to because I just think that we had 4,000 people um, five or four or five years ago so we have to grow at a rate of knots to try and even build up to 20,000 we need to have something that just works for us and uh, we can have a stadium that will be good enough for as many fans as we want it to be. You know, if we go from 4,000 to 15,000 home fans in the space of sort of five, six, seven years, regular home fans, that's a good amount of people. Then you put away fans into the mix and a few a few of the Fulham people, a few of the older, um, of, 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 of the people that come, sort of, you know, the tourists, you know, a few of them, like, you know, you throw them in, in somewhere in the pot, but, you know, the point is that we don't want our club to rely on the football tourism. We need to actually have a stadium which is full of fans who are really into Brentford, and that is the key. We need to build our fan base properly and have a stadium that works for it. Laney? Yeah, it's all, you know, it sounds a bit technical, but it's about build spec as well. You know, I'd rather have a smaller stadium that was better quality than a bigger stadium that was just kind of Meccano. You know, I, I, my, my biggest fear is that it's going to be just concrete and it's going to be a little bit cheap, um, just a few quid. You know, I, I think it's important that it isn't. You, know, you walk around the concourse, I, I, it, it is concrete at the Emirates, but you, you see what they've done. They've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort in getting mon- murals and pictures and, and, and that kind of side. Um, we just need to be, we need to be confident that that's, that's what's going to happen. You go to the best spot, you go to... He goes to like you go to the new gay meadow in Shrewsbury. We mentioned Shrewsbury this week. We did actually, um, and my, my brother's actually yeah. just walked in as well, and he's literally, <laughs> literally about ten minutes ago come back from Shrewsbury as well. So everyone's going to Shrewsbury in the last couple this of days. This podcast is sponsored by the Shrewsbury Tourist Board. <laughs> <laughs> going to Shrewsbury, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm yet to be not I'm yet to be assured that. Lionel Road is going to be um, what I what I want it to be. And I think it's going to be quirky because it's going to be an odd shape. I think um, it's it's going to be new, so it's going to be all right for a few years. But it needs to be of a of a quality, so it doesn't it doesn't sort of age um, within half a decade. Because I don't I don't we don't want to be doing this again in twenty or thirty years time. We need to be moving once to somewhere where we we that can be expanded, but somewhere where we're actually proud of people that pe- other people talk about it like the way they talk about um rotherham's ground still um you know it, it, rotherham's ground isn't that great but it's 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 it's, it's one of the better ones of our size and um i'm not convinced that we're going to get something as that the liberal 
yeah, I, I, I would agree with Dave about Rotherham grounds. Um, having having been to, to, to most of the, the, the modern grounds now, that Rotherham is definitely, uh, the New York Stadium is definitely one I've said in the past that I'd like to see Brentford uh, model a lot of features on. Uh, but I just go back to the point, you know, it is we have got to have this stadium to ha- raise the money to have a team that can compete in the top half of the championship and hopefully one day in the premiership. Um, and without the stadium, we'll be dead. So, you know, we've got to, we've got to get on with it. I think the important thing is to work constructively with the powers that be. Um, Brentford so far have got a good track record of consulting fans about what is and isn't um, required. Unless it's, a ba- unless it's a badge, of course. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the stadium. Oh, um, and, you know, uh, uh, let's hope that they continue um, in the same vein and bring us on board and make sure that what the fans want is what happens in the new stadium, because that's the crucial thing. If there's any sort of argument at the start about, oh, well, you know, we, we told you we wanted this and you didn't do it, um, you, or you, you've just gone ahead and done something without consulting us, then you're already fighting from you're fighting on a sticky wicket in trying to build the fan base and make sure that everybody is fully on board with the exciting venture so you know to the to the whole team that building the new stadium i'd say don't forget us fans and make sure you're consulting us even about you know what color paper to put in the loose the messy yeah I, I just i just hope it doesn't become a soulless bowl you know I've been to you know some of the modern stadiums it can feel a bit like that I mean having been to Wembley quite a few times I mean I, I know others won't necessarily agree but I just find I find Wembley to, to be completely soulless in, in many respects and I just want to make sure that the, the, the new ground has, has the fans at its absolute core because if I'm honest I don't really care about whether it's got fancy gourmet burgers in the concourse on the outside or you know whether it's it's got perfect facilities. I just want to make sure that when we get in the ground, those ninety minutes or ninety plus minutes, it's packed full of atmosphere, and uh, you you have to have the fans at the very very core of that. I know the club's got to make money, and and absolutely, the more people through the door, the better. But as long as we retain the atmosphere, that's what's going to keep it special, and that's ultimately is what we're we're going to grow to love that stadium as much as we we love Griffin Park because it's unique. Griffin Park, without a doubt, it's unique and it's everyone loves you know every away fans they love um, they love coming there, you know they they love coming to Griffin Park, and I just hope we can retain that somehow. Okay, so listen, we it's Lionel Road. We're going to get more news on that because it's very very early days yet, but you know fingers crossed, all the plans are in place and uh, Brentford will have a happy new home. We're going to go and talk about other teams in our league. Or other teams in the in the, in 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 the football league actually, because there's a few things going on with a couple of teams in our league. We just thought we'll just discuss that now. So this week, we found a couple of bits of news actually. One of them was just slightly distressing, and one of them was slightly interesting. The first one that was quite distressing today, we found out that Orient, the team who we were neck and neck with, with getting that second promotion place from Division One. A few years ago um, remember the old banter between us and them mind the gap they're absolutely giving us loads of grief but you know then we we hit them back with the old uh, the old um, the Slade Cup and uh, you know you, you celebrated like you won the cup and it was a really good banter between us and them I mean um, they didn't take it too well 
<laughs> but we we had a right old laugh because we went up and stuff. So that was really good. But then Orient, surprisingly, two 0 up in the playoffs, and then they lost three two. Odebaju came to us after that. Then ridiculously, they just kind of slipped and they just kind of went downhill from there. They got relegated. They went down to Division Two. Now they look like they're going to possibly, unless they actually pull it out the the woodwork, which I don't think they're going to do now after today's news. Look like they're going to be relegated to the conference, which I think is absolutely gobsmacking because I would never have thought that that Orient team, who was flying high in that league that season, will be in the conference a couple of years later. But just goes to show you how football changes. And Orient today basically received a winding up order. Um, the tax office, obviously, there's a load of tax bills that have been paid, and it looks like they're going to be wound up. So, Orient are going to go into liquidation, which probably means they're going to lose a load of more points, which means they're going to end up being at the bottom of that league and they're going to get relegated at the end of the season. This is uh, not great news for football, is it? Because Orient fans, you couldn't love them or hate them or anything like that, but they didn't choose the person who came in and said he's going to do all these things for their club, and he's actually kind of sort of like basically sold them a, a, a bad one there, isn't he? Uh, it, what's happened this last few weeks shows that I didn't really hate Orient as much as I thought I did, um, because um, when they when when we pipped them to promotion and they failed in the playoffs, um, I after the way that their fans had, had been with us, I kind of sniggered, and when they got relegated the next year, I kind of sniggered, and then I kind of I've wanted them to not do well um, because of out of a petty, a petty, irrational, um, childish hatred of mine. But now I'm thinking, actually, now lads, can you stop being, can you stop being so shit now? Can you actually, can you, can you actually survive? Because I don't actually want to see you go down and go out of the league. Because I actually like your ground and I like your fans and I, I liked going there and we had some good matches and it, it was a good, healthy competition. And as Bill said, who would have thought? Um, it proves I don't dislike them genuinely because if it was QPR or Fulham in exactly the same position I'd still be wanting to lose so um, you know I, I want I want Orient to pull this one out of the bag and I, I don't see it happening either because yeah you know it's gonna it, it, it could could very well be points deduction the liberal uh, let Orient serve as a warning and to, so the other thing is the massive losses that uh, Villa have made uh, in 2016 um, but particularly with Orient, let that be a warning to people who think that foreign owners are a good thing in uh, British football, um, because there is some real uh, questions to be asked of the uh, Football League and the Football Association about how uh, recent uh, proprietors of Orient, after Barry Hearn sold it, got a fit and proper person's uh, licence to run that club, because people, the current owners, have run that club into the ground. Yeah, they've had problems. West Ham moving to the Olympic Stadium literally right on their doorstep didn't help. But at the same time, um, the uh, foreign speculators, because that's what they are, have come in um, when they haven't been able to achieve instant success, have just sort of withdrawn all the funding from the club and got it into the position that it is now. Um, and I think it's quite interesting to see it. There's a sort of, uh, the, the Orient fans are getting themselves together and um, if the worst comes to the worst, they do get our business. They're prepared to sort of start a fan club like um, happened uh, with Wimbledon and happened with, um, uh, well, FC Manchester. Um, and we'll see some, some developments on, on that side, but it's a real bad mistake. And as I keep saying with foreign ownership, be careful what you wish for. What I'm, I mean, what I'm going to flag up here, though, is that, you know, 
to me, is it a foreign owner or is it the fact that it's just a bad owner? Because the fact is that there are many foreign owners that have come in and they've done good things within football clubs. And how do you vet it? Because the fact is that if somebody comes in, right, and they say they're going to spend a load of money on your football club, and this is the problem that you've got with this situation, you say you're going to spend a load of money on your football club and fans accept it. So you had Cardiff and somebody came in and said, I'm going to spend a load of money, got them up to the Prem. He said, I'm going to change your shirts. And there was a little bit of kind of protesting. There wasn't protesting to a certain extent, but they accepted it because they're up in the Prem and everything like that. When they start to do well, it started to hit them in the face and it all kicked off. But we've got this kind of really weird scenario, whereas in football, football fans accept if somebody's going to throw money into your club and actually change your club. So, you know, if somebody says, I'm going to spend £100 million in your club in the next two years, fans go, cool. Right, which is going to be brilliant for us. And where where does the fine not do you sit down and say, actually, I'm not going to actually accept that because for whatever reason, because this guy, if he'd come in and Orient had done really well, then everyone goes, What a brilliant owner, he knows exactly what he's doing. How do you know if an owner is good or an owner is bad? And it's not necessarily down to them being foreign, sometimes it's surely it's down to them just being absolutely rubbish. That, that's Bill. The point I'm making is that the Football League's regulations for whoever takes over a club, and you're right to pick me up upon the foreign bits, and I was I was wrong on that point. The, the Football League's rules and regulations for who buys football clubs have to be much, much more carefully and much more stringent and much stronger, because at the moment they are getting caught out and there is a track record building up of people coming in, buying up football clubs and then running them into the ground. Okay, and then I'm just going to come back because again, I'm just being real devil's advocate now because I was really thinking about this and again, thinking about it because it brought up it got brought up on a FSF meeting last week, which that was the reason why unfortunately we weren't able to do this podcast last week. And I'm just thinking about this: that how, what do you do? How do we stop this scenario? Because we have situations where clubs are badly run. These clubs are badly run, but they're picked up on afterwards. So you're talking about the Oysters in, 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 you know, uh, you know, you've, you've got a number of examples. Like you know, you're talking about how are they or aren't they? You know, you're talking about Charlton. Are they kind of badly run? You know, some people say actually they're not really badly run. The guy's tried to run a business in his way, and it hasn't gone to plan, and and it hasn't gone with where the fact. So there's a lot of issues here. What I'm trying to say to you, um, you know, I'm going to be uh, facetious. If you know, if, if Matt, Matt, Matt Benham does what he does, and he puts an hundred million pounds into the club and then all of a sudden it's like whatever methods that he has doesn't quite work and all of a sudden we find ourselves not in the situation that we are now we find ourselves bottom of the championship or even relegated to the next league um, does that mean that he is a bad owner and he's doing bad things for us it's kind of like where does it where does this line like how do you actually work out who is doing bad for the club you know what I'm saying or how can you work it out you can do afterwards but how can you do it beforehand because some of these guys may have good intentions. I'm not saying this Italian guy has done. I've got no idea. But some of these guys might do, but they just may not be great business people. And so surely it's kind of in the arms of the football club or people who are actually kind of taking that money to actually kind of protect their interests. Or there needs to be some sort of regulation put in place so that certain things happen. In, I, I don't know, but all I'm trying to say to you is I think it's very easy to say it after the event. But before the event, when somebody's coming in saying they're going to put a wheelbarrow of money in, it's, it's quite difficult for you to, to, to judge. So, Massey, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, just 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 quickly for me on it, there's too many clubs now facing these challenges. You look at the Venkies that bought Blackburn; they're on their knees, you know. And you've mentioned you've mentioned some of the others, Charlton, Blackpool. We're seeing Orient go out of business. It can't be allowed to happen. And for me, the Football League and the FA 
Well, the FA in particular have got egg on their faces and they need to do something. And I think perhaps the only thing I could say that may protect it is that anyone wishing to buy a football club has to have a proportion of the board that have got experience in running football clubs. And that is a that is a force measure. Okay, you, well, you know, the Venkies okay. are a prime example. Okay. Uh, they knew nothing about it. Okay, I'm going to give pro- I'm going to give you um, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. And the thing about it is that I mean, me and Laney were one of the first people to shoot the documentary at Charlton. We went out to Charlton. We shot a documentary on what was happening at Charlton before anybody else knew we were the first people out there. We found the groups and we saw the very first two percent protest. We filmed that, so we know that we kind of back their protest from a fan's perspective. Um, but we've looked into this very much, and this is no listen. You know, we understand because the thing is that you don't want fans to get heartache. But I'll be looking at you know what the, the what, what what Roland's been doing at Charlton, and the thing is that he's run football clubs before, so he he, he does understand football, right? And the fact is that I personally don't think that he's actually kind of going in there and actually trying to rip the heart out of the club. I actually kind of think that he's trying to do a few things and proper business person, all right? He might be doing it a bit rubbish. And he ain't doing it really well. But the thing is that he's kind of like, he said, I put my money in and this is the way that I want to run the club. And it hasn't worked. And this is, this is me personally speaking, you know, just looking at it personally speaking. I'm not saying it's right. So it's really difficult. If you've got somebody that comes in and says, I'm thinking I want to invest and I've got all these ideas and their ideas don't quite work out. You can't really vet that beforehand. Do you understand what I'm saying? His scenario is slightly different from Oyston, who's gone inside there, rinsed money out of the club, taking loads of money out of the club, flipping, got them all the way down. Basically, he's almost asset stripping the club. That's a different scenario to other people. So how do you vet this up front? What about having majority-owned fan ownership? 51% fan ownership and then 49% owner because maybe you protect the club slightly. Um, I, I can't. I can't pretend to be an expert on it, but but perhaps that's a way of protecting the club's best interest. So if something like Charlton happens, whereas you know he's got best intentions, but it's not working, the fans can take back control. Okay, which is good, and and that's what they do in Germany, which is which is a which is a very very interesting scenario, and it works there for the fans because they've got a bigger say in their club, and it's all coming down to fans having a say in their club, and it'll be interesting because obviously you'll see how the deals are done here because if somebody's saying. Somebody be putting money into the club, knowing then that the fans have got a big say in their club. So that'll be interesting to see the dynamic in in the game, Laney. Um, yeah, I think that'll be a very progressive, very forward-thinking um, step. I can't see it happening. Um, uh, to say it, it can't for before. Um, even if every club had a very experienced new owner with a hundred million pounds to spend there's still always going to be someone who's going to be bottom of the bottom division um there's always going to be it's it's just a success and failure is all part of all part of the game and you can have the very best intentions and the very best experience and for whatever reason it just doesn't work but we do have to obviously this 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 fit and proper tests we we need to make sure that um these owners are failing failing trying to succeed um not not coming in and asset stripping okay and just coming on the flip side of nick mentioned it earlier and i think it's very interesting aston villa they've lost um 85 million pounds or something ridiculous in one season now um that is a lot of money to lose and they're not doing very well and is this that just the nature of the game that they come from from the Premier League, Laney? Villa, Villa, Villa are going to go bust if they carry on like as they are. Um, I was with Aston Villa fan yesterday, Colin Abbott, who wrote my book, 
the um, big Aston Villa book of the 70s. He knows his history. Um, he knows this. He knows his club inside out. Um, they're, they're hemorrhaging money. Um, that's with the Premiership money they had last year. They, they, they still, they're still, they're spending on on transfers. That they need to. Their ethos needs to change. They, they need to start growing their own. Right. So we, we listen. Listen, Brentford. We're not going to talk much about. But like I said to you. It's not saying they're in a great position, but, you know, we've got an owner who's putting money into us, you know, who knows what's going to happen in two or three years' time. But I know there's a lot of people that still think, you know, we're doing the wrong thing. But you have to look around you sometimes and see what the other clubs are doing. Yes, there's a lot of money being spent and there's a question mark asking what would happen if the owner turns around or things change. Yes, that is a big question mark. And I suppose it's always right for people to be asking those questions. But at this moment in time now, as the Orient fans have said, at least you've got somebody who's been looking after your best interest. Because he's a Brentford fan as opposed to somebody who's coming in and they just feel absolutely and totally let down. And we hope that these guys actually get their club back and they actually kind of move back up the leagues. But anyway, we're going to talk about a few other bits and pieces in a minute because we've got a few more things to talk about. So Tuesday night, myself and the Laney man and a load of other Beast fans and a load of players from Brentford and a load of people from Brentford and a load of other people went down to Sky TV. Um, there was a special screening of a film called Wonder Kid. Wonder Kid is a film which is about the gay footballer that's come out, an England footballer that's come out, and uh, it was gripping. It's interesting because we got invited down there. We didn't really know too much about the movie, but we knew about the concept and we thought it was really good, so we invited a load of our people down. We actually put a little note out to you guys a couple of weeks ago. The club invited a load of people down, and basically they said, come down, see this film, and let's just chat about this. So uh, we went down last night, and that uh, was a really good vibe, actually. We turned up, and there's like, must have been about 25 Brentford players there. You know, a lot of the first teamers there, you know, De Bentley and Sawyers and Rico. Um, no, Rico Henry wasn't there. No, it was uh, Nico was there as well, and then Tom Field and, and a lot of all, practically all the B team was down there. And then you know, MDs and directors and loads of people and media people and Natalie Sawyer was presenting it. Loads of people down there walked inside there. They threw a beer into your hand, wine, all sorts of stuff, and it was a just a good little vibe for the evening. And uh, we watched this movie, and it was really kind of. Um, it was quite, um, it was just, it was a really touching, I say touching, but it's also kind of, at times it was a little bit uncomfortable, as people said, because what it was doing is it was showing incidents within football, which you sort of think, well, that's out of order. Oh, that's quite interesting. Oh, I'm not quite comfortable with that. So, uh, there was lots of discussion afterwards. There was a little bit of a Q&A afterwards as well with, uh, Mark, Mark Devlin was on the panel. And, um, and, and and there's other people on the panel as well, including um, one football supporter, a stroke photographer, um, who'd actually come out a couple of months ago. And uh, she was very, and she's transgender, and also it's really, really interesting chat with her as well. So, I mean, this, this evening was a, was a very, very, very interesting and poignant moment for football, I think, for Brentford because Brentford had got involved in this area for the very first time and talking to a few of the people they said it, this is the first time that you know everyone had got involved I think there's another club and I'm not going to name them they had uh, tried to do something like that and none of the players had turned up no one else had turned up they kind of just did it and it just didn't really happen but this was a an event where there was support from the club there's support from the fans there was support from the fans in groups there was support from everybody um, and there's, you know, local councils. Everyone had come out to that one because they thought it was really good, and it's really put Brentford in a good light as saying we're trying to be a little bit forward 
thinking in the way we go about our business. Laney, it was a it was actually a good evening, wasn't it? Really enjoyed it. Um, very proud of uh, the fact that uh, our club had um, fully got behind it. Um, um, it was. I think it was very important that so many players were there, and the players enjoyed it. The players were engaged, and they were interacting. They weren't. They weren't there, kind of looking embarrassed or sheepish. It was a very mature, adult, progressive evening. Um, um, I, I'm, as I said, I'm very proud that my my club was was at the centre of all of that. Um, film itself. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. It, it touched on touched on a few raw nerves, as you said. It, it was it was kind of there was a lot of talking points. Um, it, I, it's, it, I'm not a film critic. It, 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 it's, I'm glad it was made. I, I think most people ought to see it and make their own opinions of it. You know, the ending I thought was could have been different, but hey ho, the subject matter was there and it, it got it got us all talking about something that's very serious and. Um, you've got a question when when is going to when when the, when will the time be where it's uh, the climate is is okay f- um, for for footballers to come out? So that's that's the most important thing. And I think we're edging there. Um, our club um, has got still some work to do dealing with bigots at, at, at Brentford Football Club. We have got sexist, homophobic, racist fans at, at, at Griffin Park. Um, and they they need dealing with um, I, I, you know in in, in however and how in however <laughs> however way this this is deemed appropriate. But it's it's the the landscape's changing. It's 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 right thinking um, fans that have have uh, have, have got going to have the future in the game, not not the not the dinosaurs. Uh, and the Massey, I mean, I know that you guys weren't there, but I mean. Again, from from the out from the outside, I mean, we've got a, we've got a situation here where the club's involved in a in a film which basically is trying to put forward a message. Okay, now I'm just wondering from you, how do you think? Because what I was thinking, I thought this is really good and it's a really good evening. But I looked around me, I thought this is preaching to the converted to a certain extent because everyone inside that room is properly properly on board. Yeah. You're preaching to the converted, and obviously you put the word out to other people to come down and maybe kind of learn. And even some of the people there, to be quite honest, they actually kind of learn a lot of stuff. People who were inverted commas converted said, "Oh, I thought that was interesting. I never knew anything about that because you know people were just you know expressing their views, you know, giving 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 their side of the story to a lot of things. So that, I thought that was very interesting about creatures converted. But we also have a, a situation where you sort of talk to people who you know, at the end of the day, it's not that they're not interested, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's an educational process. And a lot of these people are sort of saying there, it is a real yeah. educational process. And it's not a case of just going out there wagging your fingers. I mean, I asked a question there and I talked about the fact that I said that, you know, I used to get basically kicked around Griffin Park. I used to get me kicked in at Griffin Park by racists in the 80s and early 90s, chased all over the place. Um, and the club never helped me. The club did not. I mean, used mm. to call them up say, excuse me Brentford I'm getting a bit of a kick in there and these people are doing this and they was just like I'm sorry but these people have played season tickets and can't do anything about it because you know we can't ban them because they've got money coming in the club and that literally was the approach by Brentford at the time which I felt let down so I'm saying 30 years later I can see a sort of slight parallel with people that I know who feel that they feel a little bit threatened by certain things and they want the club to help and we did ask the question as to what the club is doing trying to kind of um, alleviate the situation and make these people or make people feel comfortable everyone feel comfortable at football 
Um, they did answer to a certain extent, I'd say, but you know, there's still a few questions I think to be asked there because the problem is what I find is that companies they get a bit of money, they're a little bit they they, they kind of sit on the the fence as to kind of what position they will sit on because of the the the, the, the dosh that's coming in. And at the end of the day, listen, you know, you can do what you want, but at the end of the day, for me, when I go to football. I like to have a laugh, and I, like, I think everyone should feel comfortable when they go there. And if you don't feel comfortable with you going to football, then that's not right. So, I mean, the Massey, I mean, I'm just wondering what your yeah. thoughts are. Well, the thing is, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I can't really understand why there are these, still these, these barriers in football. So maybe I'm not the right, but maybe we should be asking someone, you know, who does think the other way. But I, you know, I, I can't see why there, there, there is still these barriers in football. Um, you know, I wasn't there, and unfortunately, I wasn't there last night. I'd love to have been. Um, uh, and yes, you know, it may have been, you know, preaching to a room full of people that are already on board. But you, you need to have these kind of events. You need to keep, you know, we need to keep, you know, it's, the club needs to keep sending that message. But, um, you, you know, you, you're right. I think the club can do more and should do more. But, but, you know, they're, they're going the right way about it. And and events like you know, the, the film that was made and events like took place yesterday are only going to are only going to enhance the game. And yes, we should be pushing for more. But I, ju- I just find it difficult because I, I don't I don't understand why there is still, you know, I, I wouldn't have understood it 30 years ago, as, you know, facing what you did. But, you know, to me, it's just, you know, I, I work with, I work with, you know, a number of, of, of gay people and whatever, and it, it's just no issue. So I struggle, you know, I struggle to, I struggle to sort of comprehend why people would have a, a problem with, you know, with standing next to someone supporting their team on the terrace or, or a player that's out there that, that's gay. But, um, you know, so perhaps you know you, you need to be asking the questions of the people that do have an issue. But well, it's again, um, and I think what happened was that I think it moved into a broader sense of kind of, I think it was about it was more about hate, just not hate in general. It's kind of you know. It's 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 intolerance and hate, whatever you know, because you know racism, you know sexism, you know the the Ellen McCormack situation was brought up, which was quite interesting. You know, you're talking about homophobia, you're talking about disability. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people go, oh, that's all PC bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But it's like it's because you know it's not because that you've got people in the world that are just that's what they are, and at the end of the day, what makes you better than them? What makes them not, not better than you? And why can't they have? Why can't they sit down and enjoy something? You know, without the fear of of actually kind of being abused and bullied or whatever it may be, you know, and that's that is kind of what the scenario is. That why can't everyone just go and have a bit of a laugh without somebody thinking that they're superior to somebody else, liberal? But Bill, uh, the, the important thing is that as well as it being unacceptable for people to express those type of views at football ground, it should become acceptable for people to report those when they hear those type of remarks to people, to the stewards, to the management, to whoever at the club, and to know that it will be acted upon. And that's what we've now got to, to, to change around. Because what, while the 99% of the people who go and watch Brentford wouldn't dream of uh, discriminating against anybody in, on grounds of race, sexuality, uh, what have you, there is still a, a, a larger group of people who think it's wrong to, as it were, grasp somebody up 
um, and that attitude has got to change because you've got to have you've got if you see it you should report it and you should have confidence that it will be dealt with and I think from judging from what you've been saying about what's been happening at the club I think there's confidence is the club will tackle it but people should not be afraid of reporting it and it should not be regarded as snitching to report the views that are outdated outmoded and have no place in this society today but they again they talked at this uh, on, on last night they said that the reporting process is in place and Kick it out. I've got an app. If people don't know it, Kick it out. I've got an app which you can report things. Um, I've never personally used it myself, but I'm just saying, we, you know, we know Kick it out quite well, so I'm sure that the app works very well. So maybe you have to go on the Kick it out site and have a look at it and see how it works. And they say, that Bill, it's, Bill, it's, sorry, it's peer pressure. There is there is still a group of people who will say you're grasping up people. Yes, and you know that 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 happens, and that's got to stop. And you know, yeah. let's move on. I understand. I understand. But what I'm just going to say to you is that. What was an interesting point, though, again, it's not the peer pressure, it's actually, you know, talking to the club, but it's actually when people around you and fans, as we said this, we've had this scenario where fans actually turn around and they actually, um, they talk themselves. So they turn around to somebody who's doing something on the terraces and say, you shouldn't be doing that. To me, that's even more powerful than anything else. But anyway, it was an interesting film last night. It was a good film last night. And there was a lot of talking points from it. And like I said to you, if it's going to come to your area, if it comes down to you, you should definitely check it out. It's called Wonder Kid. And it was a movie. And it was very, very thought-provoking. And uh, like I said, you know, hopefully more positivity in the future. And well done, Brentford, for putting it on. Ipswich. It's nearly a year since we went up to Ipswich that time. Ips switch that time. <laughs> so Ips switch, and um, we went up there. We weren't sure what was going to happen, and uh, what they did is they smashed Alan Judge's leg. It was well out of order why they did about it, and we were up in arms. But what it did is it managed to rally our side, and we turned around. And after that, we never looked back. Our season had changed because our team turned around and said, "We can do this, and we can do this for Judge." He said, "Alan Judge has pretty much been out for a year." since his injury that was a year ago so we're going back to Ipswich a year down the line Ipswich have changed a little bit they've got Tumani Diagaraga in this side um, we've got um, and, and, and you know they've been doing alright but to be quite honest with you they're not the Ipswich of old they're not the Ipswich when we were in the playoffs that season together not at all they were very very up and down they even lost to Lincoln in the cup if I remember rightly but apparently they've sort of kind of been on the up since then they've been doing alright Brentford are going there on Saturday and uh We've got our tails up to a certain extent, but we need to go and do the business against Ipswich. Laney, what are your thoughts? Almost a year ago. That's, that's I remember it like it was yesterday. It was such an eventful afternoon, wasn't it? And still, still, you know, the, the highs of Vivo's goal and the, the lows of Joe's injury. Um, uh, I, who knows what's going to happen on Saturday? Here, so I, 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 I've got no idea. Um, I, I, I think we will continue to play expansive football. I, I think we're going to go and score goals. Um, so, yeah, I'll convince myself we're going to go there and win in that case because um, Ipswich, Ips, as you said, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not the Ipswich of last season or the season before. So um, they're functional. Um, we've, got, we, we're, we've got an added exciting ingredient for several at the moment so um, if if those players, if Joseph Zoon and, and um, Canos and Yotta and um, uh, Henry can, can carry on playing like we said last week, we'll go there and win my uh, 3-1 Bs. The Messi. Yeah, 
I've got absolutely no idea either. Um, it could be seven all, or um, or we could go and win five nil. Uh, I I hope it doesn't happen. But you just wonder which player they're going to injure next. It was it was hotter with his when Douglas assaulted him with you know on his on his foot, um, and obviously the uh, the, just the horrible injury that happened to Alan Judge. But so I'll, I'll be happy if all uh, eleven or fourteen players come through unscathed. To be honest, I think that will be a result in itself. Um, but given our, our sort of recent resurgence, the, the goals are flowing. Um, Ipswich have had some good results. Well, some uh, they've played some fairly decent teams in the last in the last few weeks and got some creditable uh, draws. Um, I'm going to go with a I'm going to go with a two all. I think it's going to be a mixed day. Two all for me. The liberal. Yeah, well, uh, the, the one thing I think we can guarantee is there won't be seven goals in the game because Ipswich don't seem to be able to score more than one go- one goal um, unless they're playing Reading. Uh, I think that um, we're on a run of form at the moment. Ipswich are below us in the table. Uh, we Our last away performance was poor, so we're due a good, better away performance. So I'm going to be positive and I think we'll get 2-0 to the Bees with no injuries because Mick McCarthy would have learned his lessons. Ah. Ah, so positivity from the the Liberal one and myself. 2-0. 2-1, sorry. 2-1 to the Bees. I'm just thinking we're going to go in there as well. Football that we play. You know, they've got Tumani. Will he play? Will he not play? Apparently, the football they've been playing, according to Natalie Sawyer, who I spoke to on Tuesday night. Obviously, she knows about Ipswich. She says the football, the style of football over Ipswich hasn't been great. The football is a little bit dull. So, um, we know about that dull football style and we tried to match that a few months ago, but we're taking it to a next level. So, I'm thinking that we're going to go up there and give them a good little pasting. Of course, they'll get a goal because everyone seems to get a goal against us. 2-1 to the Mighty Bees. Anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Good chatting and good getting together to Gads and uh, lads. That's and good everybody. Thanks for everybody for listening to, to us as well. Um, we've had some great feedback, like I said, on our latest podcast. We've had some really, really good figures, really good listens. The B Team podcast, it was, uh, it was very different, and a lot of people said it was the best thing that we've done. A lot of people said, which we thanks very much for that because we try to do things differently, and we'll, we'll try and do a few more of those type of podcasts, those sort of kind of documentary, just giving you a little more info. So we'll work on that and we'll let you know. We've got our event at the end of the season, which we haven't spoken about for a couple of weeks, which is actually on sale and we had quite a few tickets sold already for that one so we'll put a link for that at the end of this and the info block for that so we'll give you more info on that in the next couple of weeks which is all good but other than that Besotted Pride of West London podcast we're going up to Ipswich on Saturday we'll be up there very early um, the Greyhound pub is the pub we're going to but there's other places to go to by the docks and there's another place I can't remember what this other pub's called we might tweet it or we might put a little message out on that one as well but the Greyhound's a good little boozer if you're up there go up to that one it's a really really good little vibe up there just up the top of the hill but we're the Brentford fans we're the best and we're going to Saturday and we have great support as we say together come on you bees come on you bees come on Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.